Hello, my sweet friends, and welcome back to Blessed and Beautiful Homestead podcast. This is episode number four. Today, we are going to be talking about a topic that is, uh, let's say, a little uncomfortable, maybe. So, but you know, that's what we do here. We get a little uncomfortable because sometimes it's the uncomfortable things that need to be talked about the most. Amen. If you are someone that has been plagued with the struggle of pornography or you know someone that has struggled with this, maybe your marriage and your intimate relationship with your significant other has suffered today, can I just be an encouragement to you and brother or sister that's out there listening to this? You are not the only one. So I'm hoping that my story will offer some encouragement for you. My name is Tina, and I am the creator of the blog and YouTube channel, Blessed and Beautiful Homestead. Welcome to my podcast. I love to share from scratch recipes, homeschool life inspiration, our homesteading journey, and just all things life with you. This is a space where we are going to get down and dirty, raw and unfiltered about motherhood, marriage, our culture, and our spiritual pursuit as believers. Thank you for joining me today. I am so glad you're here. And my hope is that I can be a blessing to you. I am just going to jump right into this. Um, and I am not going to, you know, give any um apologies here and walk on eggshells or beat around the bush or whatever you want to call it because I think that we uh, need to just jump into this and be very transparent and very uh, truthful and real with this topic. So pornography is something that is uh, plaguing our culture widespread. It is not just our country. It is all over the face of the earth. It is within the church. It is within the home. And this is something that I think more people need to start talking about. Now, Satan would love nothing more than for us to keep quiet about the topic of pornography. Okay, holla, all right? So he has found the perfect sin to destroy marriages, to destroy families. He has found the perfect sin because pornography, anything to do with sexuality, is something that a lot of people don't feel comfortable talking about. It is a deep, dark, intimate sin that a lot of people don't feel comfortable reaching out and saying, hey, I think I have a problem. Like I've been doing this and I've tried to stop several times and I can't. Or hey, uh, my spouse has a problem and it's destroying our marriage and he wants nothing to do with me intimately. My heart is broken. I don't know where to go. Satan doesn't want you reaching out to anybody. Satan doesn't want you to have the courage to go to someone and say those things. So he really has found the perfect sin. So with alcoholism, if you are, uh, you know, if you've got someone that you love that struggles with alcoholism, you can usually tell when they're drunk, right? Because they, one, they probably smell like alcohol. Two, they may be slurring. Three, they could be stumbling. I mean, whatever comes with, you know, we've all seen someone that's drunk, right? So it's kind of hard to hide it. But with pornography, it is so easy to hide, you guys. So that is what I mean when I say that Satan has found the perfect sin to entrap people. And this really gets to the core of the family and the marriage, doesn't it? I mean, if he can destroy things from the inside out, he has won. Let me just start this off by saying pornography is a sin, okay? Um... If you are a Christian, if you are a believer, if you are in your word, 
There are no bones about it. Pornography is a sin. Anything that we cannot stop, anything that we are addicted to is an idol. We are in bondage with that thing. And the Lord tells us that we are not to have any idols before him. And you guys, we can have idols in anything. Our phones can be an idol. Hello. Our, our television can be an idol. We can uh, make a person an idol. The Lord doesn't want us being in bondage to anything. Um, he wants us to serve him and him alone. So pornography is definitely something that is trapping people in bondage. Now, the world, the culture that we live in, would have us believe that pornography is, is not a sin. Oh, it's fine. It's harmless. I mean, after all, you're just looking, right? You're not touching anybody. Um, no, the Lord says different, you guys. The Lord tells us that when we look upon somebody and we lust after them with our eyes, that is the same thing as adultery. So it's not this innocent thing that you're just looking at because it turns into something so much more. Number one, you start comparing that person to your wife or your spouse. And all of a sudden, your spouse may start to not look so appealing, okay? And can I just tell you that, hello, we cannot keep up with porn stars, all right? Porn stars are are edited, their pictures are airbrushed. That is not real. They're loaded with uh, implants, okay? And their breasts are not natural sizes. They're getting butt implants. They got, you know, lip injections. I mean, everything that you see there, that is not real. It's a fantasy. It's something that is just not attainable. And the average wife out there is never gonna be able to live up to that image. So it is very harmful, not only to the person that's addicted to it, but to the spouse or the loved one of that person. The culture would have you believe that it's a safe recreational outlet. Um, it's educational. It's healthy fantasies. And the culture would also have you believe that it can enhance your sex life and it can reduce the possibility of sexual assaults. All right, can we just break this down a little bit? So first of all, um, educational, I don't need that kind of education. All right. So I don't know if you guys remember when we were kids and we might have stumbled upon a porn magazine somewhere or an old VHS tape. OK, I'm aging myself here. But back in the day, that was the only way you could view pornography. Um, and it was, you know, you would see this video and it might be like Mike the plumber. You know what I'm saying? He's coming in to fix your pipe. And it was no, you guys, that is not pornography today. Porn has taken a aggressive and violent turn. More and more, the typical setting of sex is not enough to stimulate the brain. They need it to be violent. There are women that are getting abused in these videos. There are women, they're setting up scenes where the women are being raped and beaten because this is what is turning on our sinful and wicked culture. So it's no longer just the act of sex. The storyline behind that sex has just gotten so outrageous that it is really dangerous. So I would beg to differ. Reduce sexual assault? Are you kidding me? I think that pornography is actually entangling these men and wanting them to go out to do more than they than they ever did. They're watching this stuff that is not reality and they're wanting to go out and do it themselves. So I'm not saying that everybody that looks at porn is going to go out and rape somebody. That is not what I'm saying. But I am saying it's that overstimulation that is causing a lot of these men to have a high sex drive and have these fantasies that are not realistic that could never possibly be fulfilled at home. 
You guys, the porn industry is a $97 billion industry. A $97 billion industry. The Lord says that money is the root of all evil, you guys, and this industry is making a ton of money. Did you know that 50 to 99% of men look at porn? And 30 to 86% of women look at porn. This isn't just a guy issue. This is a woman issue as well. So it's a very real thing. And back in the day, it was harder to get it. Um, You had to step outside your house and go drive to the movie store and rent that tape and put it on the counter and face the guy at the register, right? Or you had to pick up that magazine, put it on the counter and pay for it. So it wasn't something that was very easy to do. It actually required you to step out and put yourself out there a little bit. Well, now what do we have? We have phones, we have our computers, we've got the great old internet. So all of this pornography is right at our fingertips, you guys. The accessibility, the affordability is making it so much easier. You no longer have to face anybody to look at porn. You can sit in the quiet privacy of your own home and view as much of it as you want. You guys, it is just a click away. All right. So the culture that we're living in, with the era of electronics is just making this so much harder for our husbands to turn away from. Going back to the piece when they said that porn could be educational, um, and I said I I don't need that education. You guys, can I just tell you, uh, we have something called human instinct, okay? God designed us to have sex. So my grandfather told me one time, he said, I think it's really funny because back in the day, nobody had to tell us how to have sex. Like we just figured it out. Well, there you go. All right. So we don't have to go into the details there, but nobody needs to set me down and give me a lesson on how to have sex. God designed us to naturally come together with our loved one and make it happen. So I do not desire that kind of education, especially when the porn industry degrades women, belittles them, and devalues them, and it makes them appear as if they are nothing but an object. That is not where I want to get my ideals about sex from, okay? So we have to, when we look at whether porn is a sin, you guys, we have to look at God's design for sex. God's design for sex was something beautiful and something wonderful. He wanted us to be fruitful and multiply, right? He He made us to be able to reproduce for a reason. But what else did he give us? You guys, can I be? Can I just be real? He gives us the ability to climax when we have sex. Why does he do that? That tells you that God's intention for us was not just to pop out babies, okay? It was for us to enjoy and find pleasure in the act of sex. But it needs to be within the design of what God created sex to be with our spouse, our our significant other, in love, in our marriage bed, the right way. God wants us to enjoy sex, but it's been turned into something that is so outside of what God's design was for sex that it's really, we're finding it harder and harder to get back to where we're supposed to be with that. So if you are a Christian or a believer and you are in your word and you understand God's design for sex, you can clearly see that pornography is a sin. 
So the idea that, oh, pornography is, it's not harmful, you know, we're just looking, we're not touching. How, how can that be bad? That is just false. That is a blatant lie from the devil. Matthew 5, 27 tells us, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Okay, can I just tell you guys, if my husband is laying in bed making love to me, but he is thinking of images of another woman or other women that he's seen on the internet while he's making love to me, that is sinful. He is committing adultery with those women and basically just using my body, right? His heart is not in it. His mind is not in it, right? He is not even thinking about me. Now, pictures are hard to get out of the brain. It, it, you know, if you're an alcoholic and you get drunk, there is a point when that alcohol works its way out of your system and, and you're sober, right? Um, with pornography, that is not the case, you guys. Think of the memories that we have. Think of the, the tapes that play back in our minds from when we were children, right? We can vividly remember things that we have seen with our eyes and that we have heard with our ears. So pornography is a really complex addiction and it's a very complex sin. It's very hard to get out of it because you cannot un- you can't unsee something. Once you've seen it, you've seen it and it's filed away in those file cabinets in your brain and you just replay it over and over and over again. So it takes a long time to renew your mind and get that out. So let's talk a little bit about whether pornography can be an addiction. Yes, pornography can absolutely become an addiction. Um, I would first tell you just off the cuff, my opinion, I'm not a psychological doctor, um, but anything that you are not able to stop on your own, even though you want to, even though you see that it is plaguing your life and causing you heartache and pain, but you just can't stop, that's an addiction, you guys. And I want to point you to a website, and I'm going to link this in the show notes. It's called yourbrainonporn.com. This website talks about compulsive sexual behavior, and there are 56 neurological studies that support the fact that porn is an addiction. So if you guys just take some time, if this is something you're struggling with or someone you know is struggling with it, take some time and go to that website and just read these studies, you guys. It is mind-blowing. Did you know that pornography, when you view pornography, it has the same effect on your brain as when you shoot up heroin? That is reality, you guys. This is not just me talking. There have been studies that have proven that the same effects happen to the brain when you view pornography as when you do drugs. Those same endorphins that are released, those feel-good hormones are released when you view pornography. So it is absolutely an addiction. It's something that you want more of, right? And just like an alcoholic, you know, in the beginning you might drink a couple drinks here and you're good, and then you've got to have three drinks, and then you've got to have, you know, a six-pack, and then before you know it, your body develops a tolerance for it. So you have to keep one-upping it and you've got to keep getting more and more and more to get that same level, that same high, or it's just not enough. And it's the same thing with pornography. So where you might've just started out a couple times a week, a couple times a month, looked at a couple photos here, maybe looked at a Victoria's Secret magazine where they're fully clothed for the most part. Um, you know, there's no nipples or anything like that showing, right? Um, and that was enough to do it for you. Pretty soon, that's not good enough. You've got to excel. You've got to advance from there, and you're going to need more to get that same high. So it's absolutely an addiction. And I want to say, with that, 
if you think of what a drug addict does and an alcoholic does to their family and their loved ones, think of the havoc that it causes within that family dynamic. The same thing happens with someone that's addicted to porn. I want to tell you guys my personal story. Um, And I say my, and I guess I should say mine and Joe's personal story with pornography addiction. Um, And I thought long and hard about this, about sharing this topic with you guys. And I have spoken with Joe and made sure that he is fully aware and fully comfortable with me sharing our story with you guys. And I think that uh, we are both in agreement with the fact that transparency is very important with this topic. And there's a reason that God allowed us to go through what we've gone through in this in this 22 years of marriage. There's a reason why he's allowed the heartache that he's allowed. And I, I think part of it is that I can share our story and hopefully encourage someone else out there that might be going through the same thing and give you hope. I want to give you hope. So If you are someone that is either addicted to porn or you are in love with someone that's addicted to porn, I want to give you hope um, that you can change and you can change with the strength of God. You can't do it alone, you guys. Just like any other addiction, you can't beat it by yourself. And sometimes I think that's the mistake that we make. We think we can do it on our own and we can't. We are not strong enough. We need to call on our Lord and his strength and let him wrap us up in his righteous arms and help us through that. So I want to encourage you that there is hope. And the struggle is real, you guys. The struggle is real. This is something that even though Joe and I, I think, have um, crossed over a milestone with this issue, it is still something that we face every day. It is still a temptation that he has every day. And in the culture we live in, it's everywhere, right? It's the billboards as you're driving down the highway. It's the commercials on TV. It's the movies we watch. It's the music that's out there. I mean, it, it's the ads that pop up on, on, on your uh, apps on your phone. I mean, it is just everywhere. It's like an alcoholic and sticking a whiskey bottle in their face 25 times a day. That's what pornography is like today because that's how many times, you know, this is being shoved in your face. As you guys know, because I've shared before, Joe and I got married at a very young age. I met him when I was 15. We married when I was 17. And I remember vividly the first time that I found out he was looking at porn um, and doing these things behind my back. And I remember to this day the feeling that I had when I walked in and I found him. I was confused, first and foremost. I didn't uh, I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know why he was doing that when I was sitting you know, in the same house in a different room. I didn't understand why he didn't come to me. And you guys, I didn't even know that he had this problem. And talking with Joe in depth over the years, I learned that this is a problem that started for him when he was a teenager. So it started very young before him and I ever got married. And I never knew. I never knew that this was a struggle for him. So here we were married. We had probably been married, I'd say, a year to a year and a half. Um, We had just joined the Army. And that is when I found out that, that this was an issue for him. Now, there were some things leading up to that that didn't make sense to me, but I never in a million years thought that this was the reason why. So he pulled away from me a lot. He was very distant. Um, He wasn't interested in being intimate with me. And to the point where he would just legit straight up turn me down. 
and I didn't understand that. Here I was, this young woman um, that I, I would go out of my way sometimes, you guys, to wear cute little nighties for him or set up something romantic, and he would just straight turn me down. And it was always an excuse. Oh, I'm tired, or I'm it's too hot in here, I, you know, whatever. It was always something that would leave me turning over in bed that night um, and a lot of times crying myself to sleep. And I think that there are probably some women out there that can relate to what I just said, okay? Um, I have gone to sleep many a nights crying myself to sleep because if you've ever been rejected or turned down uh, by your loved one like that when you try to be intimate with them, it is like a dagger in your heart. It is like you got punched in the gut that feeling when you drop down from the top of the roller coaster, um, it is a very physical thing um, and it's very hard to endure. So when I found out that he was looking at porn, um, I was young, I was naive, and my first thought was, okay, well, maybe it's not that bad. You know, everybody else is doing it. Our friends were doing it. Um, maybe I could do it with him. You know, I desperately wanted his approval so much. And if this was something Joe liked and something he wanted to do, well, instead of cutting me out, maybe we could do it together, right? So we kind of jumped into that for a little bit. And goodness gracious, you guys, that, like I said, this was back in the day when you had to actually go and buy a VHS tape to watch it. Um, or when it first started coming out on the internet and we had the big box computer, okay? And we actually had our computer in our bedroom. Um, I remember Joe looking at it and I remember feeling nasty. I remember feeling dirty and something in my spirit was like, this just doesn't feel good. And I've known a lot of women that are like, oh, I have no issue with it. I don't care if my husband watches it. I don't care if my husband looks at the magazines, yada, yada, yada. You know, it's just like the ones that say, oh, I don't care if he goes to a strip club. I don't care if he gets a lap dance. There is no way that if you are a Christian, um, and you love your husband, that you are okay with him enjoying looking at another woman's body. You may say that to him to make him feel good or maybe to not rock the boat and upset him. But at the end of the day, when you look at yourself in the mirror, when you get out of the shower, you wonder if you're good enough. You wonder if you should have bigger boobs. You wonder. That wonder is always going to be there. So you can't tell me that it doesn't hurt you. Because if it doesn't hurt you and you don't see anything wrong with it, then I would have to propose to you that you should take that to the Lord in prayer because that is not God's design for your marriage. So watching the porn with Joe, it made me feel awful. Um, knowing that he was physically with me, but not looking at me, he was staring at the TV or staring at the computer while we were together, absolutely broke my heart, you guys. My husband should have been looking at me. He should have been looking in my eyes because that's God's design for our, our marriage. And it was very hard for me. So after a while of doing that, I just thought, you know, I'm just not digging this anymore. And I had to have that conversation with Joe and um, I stopped watching it with him. I stopped condoning it. I stopped enabling it. And little did I know the whole time behind my back, he was still viewing it and doing things without me. So this went on for... Um, uh, basically forever. <laughs> we are going on 22 years of marriage and um, it's something that's plagued us from the get-go. It's the cycle 
of the addiction is real, you guys. It has, it caused bouts of no intimacy between us, and it, it caused him to, you know, it's like if he is pleasing himself, then what does he need me for? Do you know what I mean? Like if he's finding enjoyment and looking at other women and he's pleasing himself behind my back without me, then what does he need me for? So there was no need to be intimate with me. I mean, after all, when you are intimate with a real physical person, it requires you to do other things, right? Pornography and masturbating is a very selfish act. It's something that does not require you to put out any effort to please anybody else. So when he would come to me or I would come to him to try to be intimate with him, it, it was like it was too much of an effort because he would have to, you know, engage with me. So it was a lot easier to just go and please himself. And that's the problem with this. It's a very self-pleasing sin. It's a very self-pleasing addiction. And the spouse of someone that's addicted to pornography is completely left out high and dry in the dark, just completely neglected. And that is something that's really, really hard to live with. And can I just tell you that being in the military um, made this that much harder? obviously, right? There was a lot of deployments. There was a lot of underway time where Joe was separated from me. Um, and it just, one, it made it easier for him to do the things behind my back that he was already doing. And two, it made it easier for him to keep it from me because he was not there. He could hide things from me very easily because I wasn't wherever he was at. And the separations were constant with the military. So it was like, even if we got on the right path and he had been doing good and he was trying to, you know, break himself of this issue, then he would get underway or he was gone for three months or a few weeks here. The longest we were ever separated was when he was in Iraq for a year. Well, you guys, men have needs, okay? Can we just be real? Men have physical needs. So for someone that's already struggling with pornography and masturbation, uh, being separated from your spouse who, who is and could be there for you to relieve you makes it really hard to uh, stay sober and sustain from that. And on that, I just want to say to you guys, ladies, I don't want to say that sex is a duty, okay? Because I don't like to say it like that. But in reality, it, it kind of is one of our jobs as a woman, as a wife, to please our husband. So... If we are withholding sex from him and withholding that pleasure from him, where else, what do you think he's going to do? Where else do you think he's going to go to get that relief and that pleasure? So I'm not in any way, shape, form, or fashion saying that it is your fault that your husband goes and looks at pornography and masturbates behind your back. But if you're not available to him, he's got to get that release somewhere, right? So I am not an advocate for holding sex over your husband's head. I don't believe in that. I think it's I think it's sinful. I think it's wrong. He married you and and that is one of the reasons you are there for him is to provide that pleasure and that relief for him whenever he wants it or needs it. With that, I want to read you guys a verse from Corinthians. It's 1 Corinthians 7, 5. And it says, Do not deprive each other of marital rights except perhaps by mutual consent for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. But come together again so that Satan will not tempt you to sin because of your lack of self-control. You guys, that verse right there, the Lord is literally telling you, do not deprive each other. 
Because if you deprive each other, um, sexual release is a physical need that we all have. So if you're going to deprive your spouse of that, that's going to cause major issues. So the Lord says, cool, you need to take a little break here or there or whatever, you know, to, to pray and worship or whatever it is. Make sure that you come back together because if you don't, Satan will tempt you. So for someone that's addicted to pornography or masturbating, to have a spouse that purposely withholds that from them, that's only going to push them further and further into that sin. And I know, ladies, I know how hard it is to say, well, I'm done. Like, I'm just not going to do anything with him because obviously he's doing this behind my back. So I'm not going to put myself out there like that. But that is not what God tells us to do. When Joe would look at pornography and I found out that he was, um, the way that it made me feel was as if I had walked into a room and found him with another woman in our bed. If you could imagine, or maybe you have gone through that, what that feels like, that gut-wrenching feeling, that is what it felt like every time I discovered that he had been doing it again behind my back. And it is really hard to deal with that as a woman because we automatically think it's us. We automatically think it's the way that we look. We're not good enough. Maybe our breasts aren't large enough. Maybe we've got stretch marks from having kids. I mean, goodness gracious, you guys, you, I don't even have to go on because you know as women, you know, you know what we do to ourselves. All we do is see every flaw that we have. So to stack us up against a porn star is just not fair. <laughs> like, can I be real? That is just not fair. That's not nice. Along with the pain that this addiction caused me all of these years, I, I want to say that I watched my husband in pain as well. This, has, this was something that had a hold of him and it caused him to be depressed. It caused him to withdraw and pull away and not just from me, but our whole family. He, what, he had no interest to go do things with the kids anymore. Um, he stayed to himself a lot. It just, it's a very deep, dark sin that kind of pulls you away from everything that's important. And that's what Satan wants, you guys. If he can destroy the home and tear the family apart, then that's what he's going to do. And that's exactly what porn addiction does to a family. So we have gone through ups and downs in this cycle of addiction for 22 years, like I said. And I've threatened to leave Joe many times over it. And I've always decided to stay but there came a time um, about a year ago that I finally thought, you know, uh, I'm just done. And I struggled within myself as a woman because I don't believe in divorce. Um, you could probably see that. As I said, I've been married to Joe since I was 17. And staying married in the culture we live in today as it is, is really hard. And staying married in the military is really hard because of all the separations and the bad influences. But here we are, we're still married. And I'm not saying yay me, um, but I will say that Joe and I both do not believe in divorce. So that is uh, part of what has made me stay. And also that I have seen women in my family that have gotten married multiple times. And it's like, they think the grass is always going to be greener on the other side. When in reality, it's like, you need to water the grass you got because everybody's going to have problems, right? There's going to be issues in every relationship. So um, now I'm not saying that like if someone's beating you or, you know, something crazy, but I'm just saying like those everyday issues that come into a relationship, um, we're not supposed to give up you guys. 
We are not supposed to just walk away because it gets hard because the reality is there's going to be hard times no matter who you were ever with. So about a year ago, I came to this point um, and I prayed about it and I I guess maybe it was this rebellious side of me because I finally got so fed up. I said, you know what? I don't care if it's a sin if I divorce my husband. I can't do this anymore. So I told Joe that we were going to divorce and I was so serious that I actually slept on the couch for over a month and I went and spoke to an attorney and I even you know, sat the children down and discussed this with the children. Um, I wasn't playing around this time. Like this was it for me because I just figured, you know, if I'm gonna, I don't wanna be 90 years old and look back and realize that I've wasted my whole life waiting for this person to change and then they never did. So I finally told Joe, um, we sat down and had a long talk. And when I tell you guys I was at my wits end, I was at my wits end. I really didn't believe anything he said to me anymore because if you know, you've know you gone through anything, what I'm talking about, you know that you've heard the same things over and over and over again. The promises to stop, the I'm sorry, the it's not you, it's me, I love you, all that stuff, right? Nothing meant anything to me anymore. I was completely numb. And I don't know what it was because I'm not Joe, so I can't say, but I think that he saw a, a difference in me and he realized, oh my gosh, I think she's for real this time. You know, I had never called an attorney before. I certainly had never talked to the children before. Um, so I think that he knew I meant business and I didn't care if that meant I was going to be alone for the rest of my life because you guys, I already felt like I was alone. It is not a fun place to be when you feel alone and someone is laying right next to you. So the way I saw it, I already felt alone, so I might as well just be alone and then m subtract out the heartache and the pain that came from being married in this marriage with this addiction. So we started um, talking about this and how this was going to look. We actually were talking about how we were going to split everything up, selling the house, like how all of that was going to look. Joe was actually looking for an apartment or a place to live because we were intending on getting separated. He decided that he was going to go to counseling and he got hooked up with heart to heart counseling. And I'm going to link this in the show notes for you guys, because this is a man, a counselor that actually specializes in sexual addictions. Now we've gone to counseling throughout our marriage, but it's always been worldly counseling. So you guys, if you go to most worldly counselors, they don't see uh, pornography or even masturbation as an issue. In fact, they, a lot of them go in line with the whole, you know, it's a, it's a safe outlet. It's, you know, no, 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 it's not. And not for a marriage most, most certainly. So, um, the counseling that we've done before just was never fruitful. And this counselor actually specializes, like I said, in sexual addiction. He has a huge center, um, in Colorado where you can actually go and do workshops with your spouse. He offers uh, counseling, they offer group sessions. So Joe decided that he was going to do this and this is something that he had never done before. Now me, I was kind of like, yeah, sure, okay, whatever. You do you, I'm gonna do me because you've said you would change before. You know, like I'm telling you guys, like I was just, my brain, I was done with it. Well, he started doing this and um, it was a counseling session once every two weeks and then also a group session once a week with other guys that are struggling with the same issue. The It comes with workbooks that they go along with and scripture and things like that. Well, the Lord started working on my heart, you guys. 
it was similar to not wanting to give up on a loved one that had an addiction to alcoholism or something like that. I didn't want to give up on him. And as frustrated and as lost as I felt, he was going down a path now that he had never done before. And I thought, okay, what if this is the time? What if this is when he's actually going to change? And I decided to stay as long as he stayed committed to the counseling, um, the group sessions, and you know, really working towards overcoming this addiction that he had. So here we are, Joe is still attending the sessions and working through his workbooks. And the other thing with that, you guys, it's really important to porn proof your home and your life basically. Um, and this, this is interesting because it's going to change your friends that you can hang out with and the things that you do. You no longer can hang out with the people that sit there and watch inappropriate movies. You no longer can sit there and be a part of groups that are okay with pornography and going to strip clubs and things like that because it's going to be a bad influence. And we're not supposed to be hanging out with people that do that kind of stuff anyway. That's not godly. Um, it's sinful. And the Lord tells us that bad company corrupts good character. Things have to change. Um, you can't watch certain things on TV anymore. We have a app on Joe's phone that is called Covenant Eyes. I'm also gonna link that in the show notes for you guys. This is a company that has developed an app that goes onto the phone and any other device that you have, really, a tablet or a computer, and it monitors the internet activity of that person, and then it sends reports to their accountability partner. So I'm Joe's accountability partner. I get a report every three days that tells me what activity he's been doing on his phone, and it also blocks inappropriate and explicit content from being able to be searched on his phone. So you might think, well, I shouldn't have to do that. I shouldn't have to put stuff on his phone and monitor his phone and monitor what he watches. Well, why not? Can I ask you why not? Um, wouldn't you help your husband if he was addicted to alcohol by not having alcohol in the house, not meeting up with friends and taking your husband to a bar? I mean, it's really no different, you guys. If, if they're addicted to alcohol, you're not going to sit alcohol in front of them, right? So we, as, our, as the wives, we can step in and help our husbands to set up this space that is going to nurture the healing that they are trying to accomplish and also protect them from falling into that temptation that is inevitably all around them. I am very involved with Joe and what he's doing. Not like psycho crazy, but I am very involved. And if I see an issue or I see him going down the wrong path, I call him on it like hardcore. I don't even care. And we have to talk openly about it, you guys. That's that's a huge thing. And I've told Joe, you know, if you make a mistake and you mess up, um, you know, just like an alcoholic, right? If, if you go and have a drink and you, you had 90 days sober and then you went and screwed it up, that doesn't mean that you can't hop back on that train of sobriety and start over. And something that is really important to me, and I've expressed this to Joe, is the trust has been broken so many times in our marriage that I, I, there is no trust there anymore. And you guys, it took us 22 years to get here, so it's going to take us a long time to get back to where we need to be. And I told Joe, if you make a mistake or you even have a thought, or you were tempted, I want you to come home and talk to me about it. I want you to tell me, because it is going to go so far, you guys. If he can sit me down and say, Tina, 
I messed up. Last weekend, I did this, right? Or whatever it is, it's going to make me feel like he trusts me enough and he's opening up enough to be honest with me versus never talking to me about any of it. And I'm always going to be over here wondering. The post-traumatic stress that comes from this type of addiction is real, you guys. As a woman, as a wife of someone that has been addicted to porn for this long, I have severe PTSD from this. I have major anxiety. The second that I need to go and do an appointment and the kids aren't here, the first thing I think is, oh no, Joe's going to be home alone. If he says certain things, if he does certain things, it just triggers this thing in me and I just, I can go into a rage and it's because of all the hurt that I felt over all these years. So I could be totally fine and we can sit down and watch a movie or watch TV and a commercial can come on or we could be driving down the street and I can see somebody, you know, some lady walking across the street with all her goodies hanging out and it just triggers me, you guys. It's like, it's always in our face and it, it brings up those buried emotions from all these years, just like this deep, deep pain. So I want to tell you and I want to encourage you that if you are a woman that has gone through this as well, really pray, read your Bible and pray for the Lord to give you strength through that. Pray for the Lord to give you peace in your spirit and your heart because you know what? That's Satan too. Satan wants to remind us, oh, you know what they're doing when you're not looking. Oh, you should probably go look at his phone. Oh, he came home from late work today. Why do you think that is? Oh, what is he doing at home right now while you're at the bank? That's Satan, you guys. Satan wants us to live in fear. Satan wants us to not trust our spouse and not trust their ability to change. But God says they have the ability to change. And you know what else God says? God says when you repent and you change and the Lord has forgiven you, he has thrown that sin from the east to the west. It's gone. So I don't believe the phrase like once you're an alcoholic, you're always an alcoholic. Or once you're porn addicted, you're always porn addicted. I don't believe that just because that goes against what God tells us in the word. We're not, we're not supposed to carry our baggage and our sin with us. If we had truly repented and God has forgiven us, then we're forgiven. Now the temptation is real. Satan is always going to be there to tempt us. And once Satan realizes the sin that you struggle with, he's always going to play on that. That's going to be his go-to. Now I'll tell you guys, Joe is a good man. I could not ask for a better husband and I could not ask for a better father for my children. I couldn't ask for a better provider. When I tell you he's perfect in every way, I mean he's perfect in every way. This is the only issue that I've ever had with Joe in our marriage. Joe doesn't even drink alcohol. All the years in the military, Joe doesn't party. Everybody else, you know, when they pull into port, they'd go out and party. Joe wouldn't go party. Joe was the designated driver that they would call at two in the morning to come pick them up and bring them back to the boat safely. He goes to work and he comes home. But Satan's like, hmm, this Joe guy, he's kind of tricky. I can't really find anything, you know? Well, well, lo and behold, he found the one thing that Joe struggles with. And so he harps on that and he plays on that and he tempts him every single day. So the temptation is real and the temptation will always be there just because Satan is real and Satan is always there trying to steal another soul. Now, I have had a lot of people tell me um, in, you know, through this struggle, this journey, 
like, oh, you're just jealous. Like, what's your problem? Why do you have a problem with your husband looking at other women? Are you insecure? Oh, you must have low self-esteem. Okay, can I just tell you guys something? I don't have low self-esteem. I don't have jealousy issues per se. I mean, if you call it jealousy because I don't want my husband looking at another woman's body, naked body at that, and finding pleasure in her, then you know what? So be it. Because that's my husband. I shouldn't be okay with him looking at another woman like that. He should be looking at me like that. In fact, I would say that if you're someone that doesn't see this as a problem, that you're the one with an issue, not me. Because my Lord tells me that my husband should be looking at me and not another woman. I'm going based off what the Bible tells me, what my God tells me. And my God tells me that my husband should find pleasure in me and he should turn his eyes from anyone else. He should not lust after another woman. Along with the counseling and the things that we put into place for Joe and porn proofing our home and our lives as much as possible, something that I have really been trying to do, and I'm just gonna be transparent with you guys and just put it out there, but I have really been making a conscious effort to be available to Joe. Now, I've never been that wife that that withheld sex from my husband. Um, in fact, all these years, I've been the one trying to um, initiate that, but he never was interested and we know why now, right? But when I say available to him, I want him to know that straight up, like if you just have an urge, but maybe we don't have time to like get all crazy with it. You know what I'm saying? Um, if we just, if he just has that urge, he can come to me and he can tell me that. Like if I'm cooking dinner or I'm in the kitchen doing dishes and for whatever reason he's out mowing the lawn and he's like, hmm, you know what I'm saying? And he comes in, he can come grab my hand and pull me into the bedroom and it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I'm going to give him that time. And sometimes ladies, that means not requiring anything in return. You know what I'm saying? Um, it is important that we are both pleasing each other, but there are times as moms with these little kiddos running around the house and the busyness of life that, you know, ladies, we're crockpots, right? It takes us a long time to kind of get warmed up where guys are like microwaves. It's super fast and easy for them. <laughs> so I'm just being honest with you, right? So, you know, you got to turn my dial up for a little bit and let me simmer a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I'm not ready like in two minutes. So I realize and understand that we don't always have time to go in depth like that, but maybe Joe just needs a release and I want to give him that. So I've been trying to be available to him more than I ever used to be, or even just kind of coming to him and saying, hey, you know, if he's in the shower, I'll just hop in the shower with him or something. Because I realize that if I can give him that release, then it's going to help that temptation when he sees something or his mind wanders, it's gonna help him not crumble to that temptation. I want to really encourage you guys to trust your gut, trust your intuition. If you feel like something is going on uh, with your sex life, with your intimacy, with your spouse, um, and they're not interested in you, there is a good chance that it is because there is a porn issue going on. Now, I'm not saying that's always the issue, right? Sometimes there's a medical issue. Uh, maybe their testosterone level is low. Like these things are real, right? But a lot of times, eight times out of 10, there is a porn issue going on because this porn is just plaguing our husbands, not and women too, but I'm specifically talking about men because that, that's been my experience. But 
if you feel something in your gut, like something is not right and he's not been interested in you, um, there's probably a reason for that. So I would investigate that. And I want to empower you to not be afraid to confront that situation. Nothing good comes from ignoring something and acting like it doesn't exist. And Satan would love nothing more than for you to be afraid to bring it up. It's awkward, right? Not just for the person that's doing it, but it's awkward for the person that has to confront them and say, hey, I found this on your phone. Like, what are you looking at this for? Or whatever it may be. Hey, we haven't been together in three weeks. Like, um, I know you've got needs. So like, what's up? You know, you cannot be afraid to confront that, you guys, because that's what Satan wants. So pornography is a struggle, as you guys can tell. I mean, it will wreak havoc in your home. And if you go out in the culture today, everybody's going to tell you you're crazy. They're going to tell you that it's not a problem. You're overreacting. You're sensitive. You're insecure. You're jealous. All of these things that we've talked about. And I'm here to tell you today, and I'm here to validate your feelings that this is not okay. This is not normal. And this is not God's design for marriage. And it's not God's design for sex. The word has to be alive in us, you guys. The Bible has something for everything you could ever go through in your life. So I encourage you to turn to the Bible and look up scripture. You can just Google uh, verses for pornography, verses for the marriage bed. I mean, verses for intimacy. You know, look at the way that God says that a marriage should be, how a husband should treat his wife, how a wife should treat her husband. You guys, when you have the word alive in you, You are going to be able to turn to that Bible when you're going through something and you're going to find your answers there. You're going to be able to find wisdom and discern between right and wrong. I'll tell you guys, um, I love my husband so much. And when I pray about this situation, you guys, between me and Joe, this isn't just a quick prayer. Um, This is prayer where I get on my knees and I actually cry because I am not going to give up on my husband. I am not going to give him to Satan. I'm not, Satan cannot have him. He's mine. So it is hard to stay. It is really hard to stay. It would be easy to go, but I'm not called to give up and walk away. In our culture today, when people get married and they say for better or for worse until death do us part, it's as if they don't even know what those words mean. People get divorced every day for the stupidest reasons. Now, listen, I want to say that I'm not coming down on you if you've ever been divorced. Because like I said, where I was at one year ago, I was to the point where I I didn't care anymore. That's how miserable I was. That's how broken my heart was. And I didn't know how to put it back together. So I'm not judging you if you've ever been divorced. And especially if you were in an abusive relationship or something, you got to do you, boo. You got to do what's right for you. So I'm not judging you. There comes a point where you have to make a decision. Either you're going to stay, which is not going to be easy. It's going to require you to go through that journey of healing and recovery with your significant other, or you're just going to go. But if you stay, you have got to get in the word and you've got to pray and call on the Lord to intervene in your life. And you've got to rebuke Satan out of your marriage, you guys. You've got to call on the Lord to wrap his arms around your spouse and show him that he's got the strength that he doesn't think he has. I wanted to read a couple of verses to you guys that I thought would be encouraging. 
Um, there's just a few here, but there's some of the ones that I look at and I hold near and dear to me in regards to this topic. The first one is Romans 12 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So if we were to conform to this world today, you guys, can you imagine what that looks like? I mean, look at the, the vulgarity of sex and what that is now, the human trafficking, the, rape, the rapes and the sexual assaults. I mean, it is absolutely mind-blowing. Once again, listen to that gut instinct. No matter what anybody's telling you, if there is a little voice inside of you saying, this doesn't feel right, it makes me feel awful, or it makes my heart hurt, then that's because it's probably wrong. And that's the Lord. That is the spirit of God inside of you telling you and prompting you and nudging you and saying, "Mm, no, 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 no. I don't really care what everybody else is saying. I don't care what everybody else around you is doing. We know right from wrong if we have the word of God alive in us. The next one is Ephesians 5.11. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. So this is the verse that, you know, when I talk about um, the, the, I'm going to call it courage to come on here and talk to you guys about mine and Joe's issues with this. The Lord says that we are to expose the sin. What happens if you don't expose it? What happens if you keep it in the dark? It's going to fester and it's going to just continue. So we have a calling to speak truth. God calls us to be the salt and light. We talked about that last week and expose what's going on because until it's acknowledged, until it's exposed, the healing cannot start. The next one is James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. This again talks to exposing things and bringing it to the light. You know, the person that is in bondage with that addiction may not even know how to reach out and say, hey, I have a problem. Maybe they're scared. Maybe they're ashamed. Maybe they're embarrassed. And especially with this kind of addiction, that's a real thing. This is very hard for Joe to talk to anybody about. It's embarrassing for him. But that's that's why God that's why Satan likes this sin so much because it makes it that much harder for the person to reach their hand up and say, "Help me out. I'm stuck and I don't know how to get out." So James 5 is telling us to confess these sins to others so that they can pray for us. There is power in having a support system. And when I talk about that, it's not just for the person addicted. There's power in having a support system as as women that are married to someone that's been addicted with this problem. We need other women. I need other women that say, hey, I've gone through the same thing and I feel the same way you do about it. Or comparing stories and just getting a better understanding and a better perspective. There's so much power, you guys, in knowing that we're not going through something by ourselves. And Satan would love nothing more than to keep us closed up in our home, living in fear, feeling that we're the only one. Proverbs 7, 21 through 27 says, With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. All at once, he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver. As a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. And now, O sons, listen to me, and be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. You guys, when I look at that, I look at it like 
you know, a, a nasty little skanky woman that's trying to take your man, right? Well, that's the same thing as pornography. Do not follow her. Do not stray into her path. It's like an ox going to slaughter. He does not know that it will cost him his life. And we, we may not be talking in, in this scenario um, of porn addiction, the physical life, right? Where if you had a heroin addiction or meth or whatever, it literally could mean your physical life was in danger, right? But you know what is in danger with this porn addiction is your spiritual life. Colossians 3.5 says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immortality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. We talked about that a little bit ago. What, you know, what's idolatry? When we're in bondage to sin and we're a slave to that sin, it is an idol for us and we are not supposed to have any idols before the Lord. Galatians 5.19-25 through 25 says, Now the works of the flesh are evident sexual immortality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control against such things there is no law that is such a powerful verse you guys when i read that i look at the world and the culture that we're living in we have to be different james 1:14 says but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire then desire when it has conceived gives birth to sin and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death. Hebrews 13, 4 says, Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. So we talked about it before in Matthew. If you lust upon another person, if you look upon another person, in God's eyes, you've already committed adultery. So is porn sin? That would be a yes. I want to thank you guys so much today for hanging out with me and allowing me to be vulnerable and share mine and Joe's story with you. I hope that it's been helpful and encouraging in some way. And before I go, I just want to leave you with one last verse in case you are the one addicted or you are in love with someone that is addicted and you are struggling to stay. The verse is Isaiah 41:10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You guys, when I read this verse, I know it like the back of my hand, and I'm telling you, I actually visualize the Lord's arms wrapped around me and giving me the strength to stay and support my husband in his time of need. We are warriors in Christ, you guys. Don't ever forget that. We are not fighting a battle of the flesh. We are not fighting our spouses, okay? This is a spiritual battle, and spiritual battle means spiritual weapons. Pray and know your Bible. Make sure that God's word is living inside of you. 
Thanks for hanging out with me today, my friends. I hope that this has been helpful or an encouragement to you in some way. Let's connect on Facebook and Instagram. You can find me at Blessed and Beautiful Homestead. And while you're at it, head on over to my blog, blessedandbeautifulhomestead.com. If you are so inclined, it would be wonderful if you could take a moment just to leave a quick review for my podcast at Apple Podcast. I read all of your reviews and I am so grateful for them. And also, don't forget, if this is one of your favorite podcasts, share it with a friend and spread the word. Until next time, stay blessed, and I look forward to seeing you on the next show.